3: Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we're talking about Lord of Illusions, Michael. Illusion.
0: <laughs> a trick is something a whore does for money.
2: Or candy.
3: <laughs> the movie that is not afraid to tell us in the first minute that for some people, magic is a terrifying reality, which might be my favorite line of a crawl I've ever seen in my
2: life. Uh, I don't know, man. We've had
3: some ridiculous crawls. That's true. But yeah, this movie... This was picked by Brian. So, Brian, step up to the podium.
0: Well, I do want to call out the the hypocrisy on this show <laughs> and, and how it affected my life, because they, they put on this front that they're tolerant of all people. But they they really like to shame people that procrastinate to watch movies for this <laughs> podcast. So I I said, you know what? Let me, let me try to appease them. So I watched this a week early. And I don't remember what the fuck happened. I just know that I picked you take notes. No, I don't take notes. I just know that I picked this movie for my friend, Eric. And I was like, man, Eric, you fucking suck. (laughs) So here's the funny thing. I watched this movie
3: two hours ago. And if it was not for the few notes that I have written down, I also would not remember what the fuck I just watched. I was talking to Scott off air when we were waiting for Brian to, to log in and record. And I basically was like, I want to say a controversial thought right now. Clive Barker is a one trick pony because of his three directing credits. Like Hellraiser was good, but like, dear God, this movie and Nightbreed are two of the biggest messes of films I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. And like, it's almost, there's like scenes where it's like, okay, this movie's like perfect, right? There was a few times I was watching, I was like, all right, perfect for the show because it's like ridiculous. And then it's immediately followed by like, 30 minutes of just, like, ugh. Just Scott Bakula fucking around? Yeah.
2: I don't understand him.
0: Here's something that's really funny, is
3: that one Roger Ebert (laughs) gave this movie three out of four stars, and his call-out was the incredible performance from Scott Bakula. And I'm like, what movie were you watching, Ebert? Because hey, this is definitely not a three out of four star movie in any way, shape, or form. And I even made it a point to watch the theatric version and not the director's cut when I had access to the director's cut. Because I was like, let me see what Ebert watched when he made his decision. And Scott Bakula, like, look, I watch Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap's a good time. Look what's happening. Oh, wait, that's the greatest American hero. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, you're Um, Matthew Kelly. (laughs) he's not a good actor. Like you didn't watch, you don't watch quantum leap. Cause you're like, Oh, I just need to see Scott Bakula really just run a fucking clinic of acting. <laughs> like it's like, no, it's just going to be goofy. <laughs>
2: yeah. But I also don't understand why Vonka Jansen would like have sex with him.
3: Well, her husband's been dead for a day or two. <laughs>
2: uh, also, is it implied <laughs> that they didn't bang? Is it implied that, that she and, and, uh, what's his face, didn't have sex because she said like, she says something to the effect of like, I didn't love him like that, but I'm also there, there's some seriously fucked up shit like, I know Clive Parker likes to be sexually deviant that's totally fine I get yeah. it, you, you're a kinky motherfucker, it's totally, <laughs> that's your wheelhouse but <laughs> there's nothing sexy about saving a 14-year-old girl from a religious cult and then fucking marrying her.
3: Yeah, and she says that it was, like, out of obligation. It's weird. it's a yeah, whole, that... whole movie's a mess. But you know what? The be- You want to know what my two favorite things are in this movie? Because they don't have anything to do with the plot at all. Uh, one is the projection monster that's protecting Oh, my the- God, yeah. Best thing. <laughs> like, that thing's great. And the other thing is the weird fucking... What I wrote down is stick death cave graffiti inside their little, like, their little, like, I don't know, like a fucking rat's nest that they're living in with this cult is in the background. Is just this drawing of a giant stick figure eating a bunch of tiny red stick figures, (laughs) and it shows up, like, three different times,
2: and I'm like, man, that is such a weird choice to put in this place. You know, I think that what what Clive Barker does well is visuals. I think what he doesn't do well is pacing. Because it doesn't movie... do well
3: with 90 CGI, which is like all over Oof. this movie.
2: Oh my god, the CGI in this movie is so, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story. I saw this movie when it was new on video. The CGI was bad then.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I got this movie through Scream Factory maybe 2 or 3 years ago, and I watched it then. And as I was watching it tonight, I was wondering if I had watched it then. Because I, did, I literally was like, Scott Bakula's in this? Like, I yeah, I like... always
2: forget about Scott Bakula. His, <laughs> his character is so forgettable. All I remember is Vanka Jensen and then... Kevin O'Connor? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm not crazy, right? They reunite like three years later for Deep Rising, the two of them, right?
2: No, Treat Williams is... Oh, oh, you mean Swan and Vanka? Yeah. Well, who's the guy that plays the, the crazy... Cult leader with the
3: oh, next Daniel Von Bargain. Yeah.
2: What a weird ass name.
3: A little pretentious to put the Vaughn in there, sir.
2: <laughs> I feel like we have no right to have a podcast about horror movies when so we're like, oh that guy. That guy. Yeah. You know that guy? That guy. What's his name? We we have days, weeks, months to prepare. And then Brian takes no notes. I don't write down actors' names. You know, and we
0: know them for the most obscure. We're like, you know that, you know who that is? That is the high school extra from that nineteen thirties movie. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's Daniel Day Lewis.
3: <laughs> I, I had to like hit the display button because I was like, you're watching the movie. It starts off, they're like in this desert. In comes Swan, which like, there's another movie I would much rather watch with a character named Swan, and he comes and he needs in. to
0: stop looking at Billy Madison. I'm telling you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he comes rolling in there's this whole sequence and like there's a certain point where I'm like okay I think this is just where this movie exists right and then it's like 13 years later and I hit the display button and thoughts screamed out that was a 15 minute setup to what the actual movie is
2: yeah it's so wild I mean and not in a good way
3: no it just goes so long so it says there was a 14 minute setup the very next jo- note says, Man, this projection monster rules. So that means that there was an hour where I wrote nothing because I was just trying to wrap my head around what was happening in this movie.
2: Yep. I don't know, man. It's it's a movie. Um, it was it was got, yeah, it was... It's got magic, but it it was who like, so who doesn't
3: like magic.
2: <laughs> I, me? Well, I mean, I like magic, but I feel like this is just Clive Barker was like, you know who I want to see naked? I want to see. I just want to fill my head with the image of naked David Copperfield while I write this. So I'm yeah. going to write a mo- a mo- an entire screenplay about David Copperfield because this would have been at the height of David Copperfield's popularity, well, right?
3: So, you know what mm-hmm. the problem is with this movie, honestly? And, and like, there's a whole lot, like there's a whole lot that's a mess in this movie. I'm not going to try to pretend that it's not, but the most compelling thing in this movie is the relationship of Swan and Nix. And we get it in the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie, and then it's just an hour of a detective story. Mm-hmm. And it's and that just is, like, so drawn out. Because, like, the most compelling scenes in this movie, the most compelling scenes in this movie for me is, like, when Nix convinces Swan to join back in with the cult mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Like, he's like, you know, and he says, like, you know I have to kill you after all of this. And Swan's just like, yeah, I get that. But then, like after we're led to believe that swan's dead and there's that moment where he's taking out all the rage on the girl and he's saying like it was supposed to be me and swan keeping each other company in the dark you get the idea that it's like this is a love story between him and swan like that is what the movie is should have (laughs) been but then it's just it's tied up in a weird detective story and like a evil magician (laughs) film like it's just so it's like get to the heart of that like tell that story more deeply bring nix back into the movie a lot sooner than you do and like make that the compelling thing of he wants to kill swan but he still loves swan like that is an interesting dynamic not scott Bakula trying to find out who this character is that we already met in the first 10 minutes of the movie
2: yeah and also the way that all of the magicians well the people that helped Swan imprison Nix in the... Oh, that's that's pretty sweet. I do like the uh, I do like that face mask scene where they put it on oh, him.
3: When they turn him into a Cenobite? Ah! <laughs> I was like, this is literally hellbound to Hellraiser when they're just showing how Cenobites are made.
2: Yep, you know, still loved it. Um, <laughs> I was there for that. You know, I liked... I, I, that's what I'm saying. The visuals of that part were cool. The projection monster was cool. The part where everybody, when when Nix opens up the storm cloud inside the house, inside the, the that room, and, and then everybody gets, like, sucked down halfway. That's a cool-ass scene. So Nothing else has, is cool.
3: That scene has my favorite extra. Oh, the guy, fuck you! Well, he has the other line where he just goes, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I love it because I'm watching it. And I'm thinking. The same thing. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking, why would anyone join a cult? Like, this never plays out well for the cult members. And, like, he's the only character that, like, is vocalizing regret. Like, the rest of them are just like, oh, no, what's happening? And he's just like, why did I sign up for this?
2: (laughs) 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 Well, there's uh, a solid 30% of Americans that could probably answer that question for you, Matt.
3: (laughs) That's, That's true. So my favorite scene with the cult is you've got Butterfield who's
2: is a Worst fucking name for, uh, how is he supposed to be scary and intimidating when his name's Butterfield? Like, <laughs> Butterfield! Like, fucking, literally, Scott Bakula yells his name multiple times, and I'm just sitting there like, this is taking me out of here.
3: <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, Homer Simpson was always trying to steal Bart's Butterfield on TV. For oh my God. That is not they a did. funny
0: joke. We're leaving. But... I'm done. I quit.
3: <laughs> but no, I was going to say, my favorite scene is butterfield is talking to the Colt, and it's like they're getting ready for nicks to come back and he says on the hot summer night will you offer your neck to the wolf with the red roses and they're like yes
2: <laughs> so stupid
3: for for the 99 percent of you that don't know what the fuck i'm talking about that's just a quote from the beginning of a meatloaf song on bad Out of Hell. <laughs> So There was a hot summer night and the field was
2: It never ends, dude. <laughs> it's horror movie night. I have two movie details that I do have to talk about though. Alright. Scott Bakula. I what the fuck is his name in this movie?
3: Are they only call him by his last name, which I think is like Demara or something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I I can't fucking remember. In any case, when when he meets up with Vanka in the the graveyard or the cemetery, um he's like walking up and when he sees her there's literally a close-up of a sprinkler turning on and i'm like come on clive uh, <laughs> like it's not even oh no man subtlety in that no clive barker is not a subtle man the other movie detail that i love is like the fire snake is coming after uh scott bacula after he bangs vanka yeah um for the first time <laughs> he it, it like it It turns into this weird, like, geometric thing There's such... Oh, my God. Did you guys ever play Descent on, uh, like, a personal computer in, like, 1992?
3: No, Mm -hmm. but I know where you're going because everything felt like a video game moment. Like a shitty
2: polygon video game is what it looked like. But so this polygon made out of molten lava, like, blows a huge fake... Uh, flame, you know, it looks like an explosion, a fiery explosion at Scott Bakula. And he, like, co- he goes back in the re- very dramatic sense and he, like, covers his his face with his forearm. You know, he's got his hand up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The movie detail I want to point out is, that, and only something that Clive Barker would insist upon, is that they have a light on Scott Bakula. That it looks like he has this like magical flame blowing in his face. And then they had somebody with a fan so that his armpit hair moved in the wind like there was actual wind.
3: (laughs) So here's another thing that I thought was really interesting was um, I wanted to like I go on the Wikipedia page and I'm like, let me see what the critical response is. But I noticed that underneath it on Wiki, it says in popular culture. Which is usually for famous movies and not <laughs> Lord of Illusions. Yeah. So so I open it. There's four moments in popular culture, all songs that sample clips from this movie. <laughs> but it says Are they all front, death metal songs? Frontline Assembly uses samples of this movie on their tracks Autoerotic, Columbia Necktie, and Life Equal Liban. Frontline Assembly Side Project, Noise Unit, uses samples from the movie on their tracks. <laughs> The Drill, Dominator, Miracle, and Eye Burner. Underground hip-hop artist Jedi Jedi Mind Tricks samples the movie on their track The Immaculate Conception. And heavy metal group Nevermore uses samples of the movie throughout their album, dreaming of neon black.
0: I like Jedi Mind Tricks.
3: (laughs) Yeah, why are so many people sampling this fucking movie?
0: (laughs) Because
2: Nyx has some great delivery.
3: It doesn't make it a good movie, but... Yeah, I thought the one, there was the one part where he's like... Will he you suffer
2: to come unto me?
3: No, that wasn't the one I was thinking of, but I could see that being on one of those maybe Colombian necktie or auto erotic. <laughs> but it's like right before he decides to like just rot away was it's like, he said something about like being like deader is better or something like that. But it, it's, it was like a weird line where when I heard him like, I feel like I've heard that before. And I think that's why I was like, was this sampled in a song I've heard of? But no, of course it wasn't, because I don't listen to industrial music. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the
2: only thing you don't listen to.
3: Yeah, and even then, like, I'll I'll listen to famous industrial music. Like, I'll listen to Nine Inch Nails, but that's like, yeah, that's like beginner. That's like baby's industrial.
2: Baby's first industrial music? Yeah. Trent yeah, that Reznor, is. that's like, I want to fuck you like an animal, and a baby's like,
3: yeah! <laughs> Yay! I don't know. Does MSI count as industrial music, or is it just shit?
2: I would consider <laughs> that, like, mall goth industrial, but yeah, I mean, yeah. they're fun.
3: Oh, dude! They're they put on a really good live show too, because I have to see. I've seen them live like three times. Thanks, last girlfriend I had.
2: Um, but... That's sure. That really gives everyone listening a timeline of your last girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> because MSI was popular,
3: dude. Yeah, I, I mean, but yeah, I I enjoy. I will say that I enjoy Jimmy Yorin as a person. Like, <laughs> like when I see videos with him, like you know, you're in like, trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I'm like, you know what? He's kind of charming because like his songs, he's almost like the, this is going to be a very weird comparison, but he kind of strikes me as like the in like industrial musics, like John Waters or, or Lloyd Kaufman, where like, he'll go up on stage and say some filthy ass offensive shit. And then you see him in, like, any other situation, and he's just, like, the most normal down-to-earth guy. Like, he's just very much like, yeah, no, that's a character I play on stage. Like, it's shock rock. That's what I do. Uh, he doesn't
2: actually believe that bitches love him because they know that he can rock? There's, like, two really good
3: MSI albums. I thought Shut Me Up was the fucking jam when I heard it the first time. Wait, is that
2: Bitches? no no shut no. me up i mean because I, I i don't know man i i actually had a girlfriend who liked uh msi like uh shut me up someone that has the line i like my coffee
3: black just like my just metal. like my metal oh yeah <laughs> that's right
2: man everybody <laughs> had that as their fucking title on myspace in like 2007 you gotta respect a good line do i
3: Hey, yeah, I mean, you kind of do. Um, so the only I just realized we were so off topic, but there's not much to talk about. The only other note that I have, and this is going to lead beautifully into our Patreon bonus discussion. When they take the cage off of Nix's face, he looks like the magic secrets finally revealed mask. <laughs> like,
2: the magic secret?
3: Do you know? Hold on a second. Brian, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-mm. You don't remember magic secrets finally revealed? It was that like series oh of, that yeah weird
0: looking guy with the yeah. mask on yeah, yeah you wear the mask that.
3: and show you how magic tricks were done and he we'll talk about it in the patreon bonus yeah. episode it's a fascinating That's story
0: what we're talking i mean because
2: I, I i was like what magic secrets does matt have that we're going to talk about in <laughs> <on> the patreon <laughs> yeah
3: yeah so patreon.com backslash hmn <laughs> and i uh, hear about the the crazy H-M-N story podcast.
0: yeah Can the crazy you, like, explain this shit to us because i'm going in to record about a show that I vaguely remember.
2: And I've never even heard of. <laughs> this is right. just Matt's passion yeah. project. It's
0: the Matt Show. <laughs> and here's my backup guys <laughs> that are here to tell me how funny I am.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know shit. when we became vaudeville, but okay. I'm I'm all for it. All right, so... <laughs> well, I we have to talk about one more thing. Okay. It's Nix's butthole on his forehead when he yeah. comes back from the dead. It's called a third eye, Scott. Show some respect. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's called the brown third eye.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that did look like... If if that did not look like a pulsating butthole, then you are a normal person. But to me, it looked like a pulsating butthole.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but we're also talking about uh, Clive Barker here. So he obviously was doing that on purpose i just like that brian said pulsating butthole twice all right. and
3: all i can hear is bobcat Goldwaite in scrooge he's like he says you're a pulsating
0: butthole <laughs> <laughs> like, i like that term i think we need to change stop naming the movies give them a better surprise we should just name all episodes like hardy boys uh books and this episode will be called horror movie night and the pulsating butthole
2: <laughs> i don't think that that would be good for our numbers <laughs>
3: double features brian you pick this how about you go
0: first so for a double feature i would do wishmaster because <laughs> i don't know why magic i guess
3: you know what though i'll say this much i don't like the wishmaster movies and i don't like lord of illusions but i think that we would have more fun doing a wishmaster movie for our movie night. Yeah. well thing, aren't I... we going to aren't they on the list somewhere? There's so many movies on the list, Scott.
0: I think I may have it on my list, but I don't know, man. I feel like.
3: You don't want to get labeled as the magic horror guy the way that I am with the giant monsters. (laughs) I
0: I think uh, Killjoy really pushed Wishmaster down my list further.
2: Dude, I'd watch any Wishmaster before another Killjoy.
0: Yeah.
3: All right, Scott. How about uh, you for your double feature?
2: Well, so we got the pulsating forehead butthole. So you need the pulsating forehead dick to go in the pulsating butthole. So I'm gonna mix it with uh, from behind.
0: Nice. Oh, nice. that's a Which good. Which is a much feature. better movie.
3: That's a good. So I'm Mayans. It's a, a painful night because <laughs> I was like, you know what movie this reminds me of? Hellraiser Inferno, also Ooh. known as. The Hellraiser Detective movie. Uh, So so yeah, I'm not, look, I'm not looking forward to that double feature either. Why (laughs) would you put
2: yourself through such a thing?
3: Because the whole time I'm like, what does this remind me of? And then it's like Scott Bakula walking around interviewing some girl while a nun's following him behind. I'm like, this feels like that Hellraiser Detective movie.
2: (laughs) If it's a movie that you don't enjoy, you got to save the night to fight the break of Dawn. Dawn, no. Tomorrow Tomorrow, i will be gone. gone. Fun fact,
3: Eagle Eye Cherry, his actual birth name. Wow, that is fun. Scott, I know that Brian and I have the same thing to talk about, so you should go first on this uh, What Did We Watch thing.
0: Hi, I'm Eagle Eye Cherry, and this is my brother, Pulsating Butthole. (laughs) Cherry.
2: (laughs) Man, I don't know if I loved the the presentation or the the postscript to that. Or just the fact that the uh, the wave file looks so much worse because Brian like <laughs> ate his microphone. I <laughs> so I started on um, some new medication and it's giving me insomnia. So I, or not insomnia as much as I just can't sleep in. And so I'm like getting up and then staying up instead of going back to sleep. So this morning before we got hopped on the show, I was like, you know, I've never watched Doctor Strange Love. I'm gonna watch Ooh, Doctor Strange Love. Good flick. It's actually, it's great. Um, I I do not like Kubrick, but enjoyed my watch. Uh, Peter Sellers. I enjoyed Peter Sellers.
3: Dude, he mm-hmm. steals that show.
2: Yeah. The whole it, time. Just, just. I mean, I've seen pieces of it. I've seen the very end when he's like Doctor Strange Love, and he's got the alien hand syndrome where he he's trying to stop it from like doing the, the Nazi salute. But he's also hilarious when the general who's gone mad is like telling him about how women try and steal your, your essence and so he won't come in women.
0: Stanley Kubrick was kind of a troll. <laughs> yeah. 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 Weirdly enough, he is uh, going to be brought up twice in my What Did I Watch this week. Huh. And Scott really fucked me up by bringing him into this movie because it destroys my whole reason for bringing him up.
3: All right. Well, anyway, how about you bring him up and then we'll both talk about the same movie that we saw this week.
0: Okay. so uh, Scott reminded me of um, Dr. Strangelove. So that kind of affects what I was originally going to say. So let's take Dr. Strangelove off the table. And I watched this movie Ballad of Buster Scruggs um, by the Coen brothers. And it reminded me of a Stanley Kubrick movie in the sense that it is beautifully shot. The color grading is phenomenal, but the movie just overall lacks a lot of substance, which I think is that's how I feel about most Stanley Kubrick films. Like, I understand why they're praised, because they are shot very well. They're just boring as fuck. Um, and then the one thing that may get me kicked off the show, I don't know. I don't know how everyone feels about it, but me and Jade watched uh, Dr. Sleep. Not that Stanley Kubrick had anything to do with that movie particular, but he did the original Shining. I enjoyed it. It was like very hated. It was quickly like everyone thought it sucked. Like no, no, so, so no that's so here, not true No, at no, all. no, Everybody loved it. No,
3: what it. happened was that no one just no one saw it, but everyone who saw it said it was like a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah
0: like I really enjoyed. It. Did you guys see it? I haven't no. seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I like really fucking enjoyed it. Yeah, he's like having an orgasm over there over this fucking movie. Maybe yeah. I should make it a point to see it. <laughs> I mean, like I was kind of busy last night. You know, I got a phone call. I actually got, in t- fun fact, I got I got in trouble uh, by Jade last night because we were like 20 minutes into the movie and then I, I paused it and Matt called me and told me this story that I won't get into for sake of him. It was about his shit. He told me a story about his shit. I got into it. <laughs> me being the passive one Instead of just saying, hey, we're watching a movie. I'll call you back. I made a comment saying, yeah, I'm in the middle of Dr. Sleep. I can't believe I paused the movie to hear that story. And he said, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then just started talking to me about everything and anything. And after like 15 (laughs) minutes, Jade is like, we're in the middle of a fucking movie. Tell your brother you'll call him back.
3: And here's the thing. In my defense, I thought Jade was still out of town. So I was like, Brian's just laying on the couch watching a movie by himself. It's, I got like five more minutes to get home. I can just keep this conversation going until I parked. <laughs> If I knew that Jade was also watching the movie, I would have uh, been like, oh, you know what? It's not that important. I'll just tell you later. Yeah, But the context <laughs> this is why clues, it's important buddy, to stay... Like,
2: I can't believe I paused <laughs> to clues... Sleep to pick up the phone. <laughs> no,
3: you probably should have just said, hey, Jade and I are watching a movie, and I'd say, oh, I'll let you but go. But you would have had to yeah,
2: make him feel bad first. You'd have to be like, oh, I yeah, guess I'll let you go. I don't have anybody to watch a movie with tonight, but I, well, actually you did, but it's yeah. i did i had plans they would have been fine
0: but here's the thing matt doesn't fucking care. He doesn't <laughs> care i thought that he just lacked social cues one day because i i i kept trying to get him off the phone and he kept telling me this bullshit stuff about like different podcasts he was listening to and i was like this poor guy can't pick up any cues i'm clearly trying to get him off the phone and then after 20 minutes he goes and listen i know you've been trying to get me off the, <laughs> the phone for the past 15 minutes so i'll let you go and it's like he doesn't lack social cues he just doesn't fucking care. i learned
2: that about him probably the second year we were at a con together <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh so i guess uh, we're not going to talk about parasite we're just uh, going to do the roast to matt kelly <laughs> got it
2: <laughs> we were talking about parasites
3: yeah oh, oh. All right. So, yeah, uh, Brian and I both separately saw Parasite because for me, it was the last movie I needed to see to see all the Oscar movies. Brian, you just, I guess, saw it because you heard it was good, right?
0: Yeah, I heard it was good. I knew nothing about it. I I put it on just re- getting ready to get through a um, a zombie film. But like, it's not a zombie film. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't I didn't read anything on it. I just hit play because I, I believe it was a Korean movie. Um, this past year, I watched The Wailing and was absolutely blown away by it. So I knew that this was another Korean movie coming out, not by the same director, but I, you know, I figured I'd give it a shot and I was very, very pleased with it. Maybe it was not knowing anything about what it was about, but it was like, it was like almost a lighthearted uncut gems vibe where it was like the whole movie you had anxiety um, and you knew it was going to blow up in their face, but it was more fun. It was like a fun, let's see, let's go down this rabbit hole as opposed to like <laughs> uncut where You're just like, why are you doing that? Do, do not do that. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, so for me, I had put off
3: seeing it. Everyone kept telling me, oh my God, it's great. Oh my God, it's great. You're going to love it. Two other movies by the same director, people had told me that and I felt kind of let down by with uh, The Host and Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. I both thought we're oh, like, oh, they all did right.
2: Host. Yeah, I did not like yeah. The Host at all. Yeah,
3: and I was like, I was like, "Mm, this isn't really doing it for me, but whatever. But then it was like nominated for best picture. And I have this weird desire to at least see what the nominees are before the Oscars. So I was like, okay, there's a screening. Let me go. And I was really like, this is my favorite movie by them by a mile. Like it, it, but it, it still has a lot of like what I think is just when you are the person who's writing, directing and editing, like you sometimes let things stay a little bit too long. You, you, you know, you don't want to cut things. Um, But all in all, it's a good movie. It's full of lots of interesting twists. And it it just has a, it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. So I think Mm -hmm. Brian and I are both doing the same thing of like, speaking in vagueness of it. Normally when Katie tells me that she saw this movie at Fantastic Fest that was great, I just say, yeah, sure it was. And (laughs) (laughs) and, and ignore her. But you know what? I feel bad because she was right. I probably should have saw Parasite when it was at Fantastic Fest. Yeah, it was (laughs) good.
2: Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed because I have no desire to watch anything that's even remotely tense. So, uh... the last 15
3: minutes, I will say, is probably my favorite, like ending to a to a movie in a while. Which I know that Brian, when we and I him and I talked about it after I'd seen it, was kind of the opposite. He he was losing steam towards the end, where I finally was like invested.
2: But anyway, I have a question that... for you though. Um, sure, uh, about the, your desire to watch. Everything that gets nominated. I just feel like all those award shows are masturbatory. So I I actually. Yeah. And who loves masturbating more than me? (laughs) Brian and I like awkwardly put our hands up. Um, But I just I guess that I actively avoid things that have critical acclaim because I'm like, well, fuck critics and and fuck Hollywood and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just it's a weird. It's a weird thing for me that I I don't want to sound like a hipster, but I just feel I just like I like award
3: shows in general, but I didn't watch them for like I didn't watch the Oscars for a really, really long time. And the reason was because I didn't know most of the movies that were nominated. Mm -hmm. But then as I was like going to more and more movies on the whole, most of the time when I watch the movies that have been nominated, I tend to like them. So I was like, well, then fuck it. Like I probably would under most circumstances not watch these movies because they don't particularly grabbed my attention. But like in the name of like, let me just see what's out there because it could expand my my scope of stuff. So like for me, it was like, I may not have seen 1917 if it wasn't up for an Oscar because I'd write it off as I hate war films. And s- instead I saw it and was like, wow, this is a beautifully shot. Like this is unlike any other war film I've ever seen. doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not going to go and watch a shit ton of war films. I think that that was a one and done for me. But it's a movie that I think I got a lot out of that I would have under any other circumstance completely just written off. So I think for me, it's kind of just that like um, I have this weird thing where it's like, I really don't want to shit on something until I've at least experienced it a little bit. So like I refused to make fun of twilight until I at least read one of the books. And then was like, Oh yeah, no, this is absolutely worthy of being made fun of. (laughs) So like, I kind of take that stance of, I don't ever want to just make an assumption that something is as terrible as everyone else says, because I can't trust everybody. Most, I mean, anybody. like, so you know, I mean, like, like the flip side of that is like the internet has such a mob mentality on hating something sometimes that like the example that I always use is I'm not going to say that sucker punch is a good movie. I'll never say that sucker punch is a good movie, but the way that the internet acted like it was the fucking room. I, I think Jonathan London was the one who wrote the article about like defending that movie in saying like, I don't think that people hate this movie. I think that they just hate Zack Snyder. But when I look at Zack Snyder's filmography up until this point, I don't really get what there is to hate about the guy because like he, he made at that time, it was like he did Dawn of the dead, which was arguably one of the best horror remakes that we had seen in years. He did 300, which is like as faithful of an adaptation to a, to a comic as you could get. And then he did Watchmen, which was as good of a movie version of that comic that you could get. He's, But he's like, but let's look at like Gamil De Toro, who we worship all the time. And like, let's be honest, those Hellboy movies are not good adaptations of the beloved comic at all. And like Blade 2 was not as good as the first Blade movie. But like we give him a pass on everything and we hate everything that Zack Snyder does. And then he like posted the pictures of the two of them side by side. And he's like, I think it's just because the Internet refuses to believe that this attractive guy could possibly be a comic book fan. But this guy who looks exactly like them must be a true fan. So let's support him all the time and kick the guy who looks like one of the guys who played football at our high school.
2: Hmm, and that's like, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Hmm.
3: Yeah. And I just like ever since he wrote that article, I've always tried to make it a point to be like, I don't care if the entire Internet says that something is shit. Until I've watched it and can say, "Yeah, that was shit," I'm not going to join that like mob mentality of like, "Let's just attack the thing that is popular to attack right now." Yeah. So, I mean, that's way off your your uh, question about no, the. No, no, no. I, it, but, it's on brand. I, I wanted to know. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's my perspective on it. If you want to hear more of my perspectives on things like Magic Secrets Finally Revealed, <laughs> go to patreoncom Uh All of our social media is in the details section of uh, our notes when you listen to these episodes and you know write us a review five star reviews we'll read it on the air we've done it before we'll do it again and finally tune in next week for another episode of horror movie night when we talk about one of you know I said that Dawn of the Dead was one of the best horror remakes of all time but I think Scott has another one that he Mm. thinks is one of the best (laughs) horror remakes of all time and we're going to talk about it next week